Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. And as Glenn said, Happy New Year's as well. We're at the beginning, as was pointed out, of a new year. Traditionally, a time where we reflect back on the past year. We might think about the things we did or the things we failed to do. And we start thinking about the, next, the, the coming year. We start thinking about our plans, what we want to get done, changes we want to make. So I was thinking about the past year, the coming year, the message this morning. I had to think about the era of time in which we live. And I had to think about a disturbing observation that I've made over the past number of months regarding our society and the time in which we live. As we went through the past year, it seemed to become evident to me more and more that we live in a time where there is a truth deficit. And what I mean by that is that there's not only an abundance of untruth or falsehood out there, but I think that there is also a lack of a baseline by which we can determine truth from falsehood. We live in what is known as the information age. And it's really a pretty convenient time to be alive because, I mean, you can pull out your phone or your computer and pretty quickly you can find information on I'd like to say just about anything, but somehow I always want to find information on these obscure things that search just turns up basically nothing. So there's still a lack of information out there. But, you know, we live in the, in the information age. Information is at our, at our fingertips. But yet, in so many ways, it seems to have become the disinformation age. I'd like to just think back over the past number of months. And I'm just going to read off some things that I put down. Some viewpoints or I called them viewpoints, facts, uh, some people would call them, that are at odds with each other. See if these sound familiar. COVID-19 is serious versus COVID-19 is not serious. Government mandated business shutdowns are absolutely necessary versus government mandated business shutdowns are absolutely needless. The Russians influenced the outcome of our election. 
versus we had a fair and free election. Everyone had the opportunity to vote and have their say. Joe Biden won the election and Donald Trump lost versus Donald Trump won the election, Joe Biden lost. Do you realize that there are people putting forth both on those subjects, putting forth strong arguments for both of those opposing viewpoints? And I would have to say on some of these things, both sides are putting forth somewhat convincing arguments. Both sides are claiming to have the truth. But we know that it is impossible for two polar opposite viewpoints to both be true. And sometimes maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. If you decide to research and find out the truth for yourself on some of these subjects, you're likely to encounter a very difficult task. Since there's so much supposed evidence published to support the claims of, on both sides of some of these arguments. And truth ends up getting trampled in the stampede to sway public opinion to match a certain ideology of the ideology of the person putting forth the information. See, so often swaying people to believe what the, 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 the person putting out the information, their goal is to sway the, person, the people that are hearing the information, not to present the truth. I don't know what your opinion is of all of this. Maybe you enjoy trying to sort through all of these things and figure out what the truth is. But to me, it's tiring, and it's also alarming. It's alarming to me because I believe that the culture that we live in ends up having a strong influence on us. Us as believers, us as God's children. And I believe that it's possible that this influence could change the way that we look at truth and the high regard that we as God's children for it should have for the, for the truth. I also believe that it is a time where the church and where we as believers have a wonderful opportunity to be a beacon to the world around us as we embrace the truth, and as we are grounded upon God's truth. I'd like to think a little bit about truth and where it comes from, and I invite you to turn to John chapter 8. 
Some of these verses that we'll look at this morning are very familiar, but yet they're foundational. In John 8, chapter, uh, verse 44, Jesus tells us what the source of falsehood is. He says, You are your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. In the Garden of Eden, Satan came and tempted Eve with falsehood. He mixed a falsehood with the truth of God. And deceived Eve. So we need to recognize that the opposite of truth is falsehood. And, the opposite, and, and, and falsehood is a product of the devil. It says in this verse that there is no truth in the devil. <clears throat> in contrast to that, Scripture also tells us that God is truth and that God cannot lie. Where this verse tells us that when the devil speaks a lie, he's speaking of his own or he's speaking his native tongue. In the same way, the scripture tells us that God tells the truth always. You don't, don't bother trying to turn to these. I'm just going to read. Uh, I've got four of them here. There's more than that in scripture. And most of these are partial verses. Didn't want to read the whole verse or the context. But Numbers 23:19a, God is not a man that he should lie. 1 Samuel 15, 29a. And also, the strength of Israel will not lie. And that strength of Israel is capitalized as speaking of God. Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 6, 18a. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. And that verse goes on. Here we have a number of references that assure us that it is impossible for God to not be truthful. And so that it is clear that we as God's children, as people who are to reflect the character of our Heavenly Father, that we must be aligned with truth ourselves. Because, there's, because God is truth and there's no room for falsehood in the life of his children. And just kind of as a side note from, from my notes, that's one, one reason that, that this trend of, call it what you want, fake news, fake truth, in our society disturbs me because should I, as a child of God, should I be grabbing a hold of something that I hear that is, that is false? And, and spreading that. 
Now, we don't always know, but I think that we need to be very careful that, that we align ourselves with the truth. So how do we know what truth is? I've said that the source of truth is God. So then if we want to know what truth is, we need to know Him. And we primarily know Him through the revelation of His Word. Jesus said in His high priestly prayer in John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So God's Word is our window into Him, and it's our window into truth that is God-centered. Without knowledge of His Word, we're very limited in what we know and understand about God. We're told in Romans 1 that God does reveal himself to mankind through his creation. So that no one is without excuse. But yet, as much as we can see God's handiwork in creation, we still know so little about God until we open up his word and learn of him. My next question is, what does truth do for us? I'd like to read a few more verses from John chapter 8. Look back to verse 31 and 32. Then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is telling these disciples, those, that were, these people that were following him, that if they wanted to be his disciple, if they wanted to know him and learn of him, they needed to continue in or hold on to and practice his teachings. And the result would be that they would then know the truth and they would be set free by the truth. Truth brings freedom. While lying and falsehood and deception bring bondage. But we see in these verses that while truth brings freedom, that to find that freedom, we must apply ourselves. We must continue in. We must hold fast to the truth of God's Word so that we can be set free by truth. In the Sunday school lesson, we talked about this concept of being fools for Christ's sake. The world looks at some of the things that a Christian does and says that's foolish. The Christian looks at it through the revelation of God's word and says that's not foolish. I'm serving the Lord. I'm preparing for the next life. 
That person, that, that believer, has found freedom. They found freedom from the bondage of the world directing them and stepped into the freedom of serving Christ and preparing for eternity. Truth also gives stability. It gives stability because truth doesn't change. It's dependable. And truth is a foundation that we can build upon. To illustrate that, I'd like to think about mathematics a little bit. We've all been taught that 1 plus 1 equals 2, and 2 plus 2 equals 4, and so forth. Those mathematical concepts are fundamental. You don't have to wait till you're in high school to learn that. They teach you that early because it's foundational. And they allow us to build upon those truths, to go on to understand greater truths, and to solve much greater and more complex problems. Unfortunately, in school, math was not my strong point. I struggled with a lot of math. But think how much greater my struggle would have been if suddenly one day 1 plus 1 equaled 3 and 2 plus 2 equaled 8. All of a sudden, see, see what's happened? The stability is gone. The foundation is crumbled. When there is stability, we have a foundation to build upon. And there's many other natural and physical laws that we know to be true and we depend upon them. Think if a couple times a year gravity switched on us. Of course, we'd all go flying out into outer space and we wouldn't be here. But, you know, these things don't change because God created a world based on truth. He created a universe based on the, on the foundational principles that are true, that don't change. There is no deception or falsehood within what God has created and set in place. They come from God, the source of all truth. And that's why I'm concerned about the trend in our society towards the unimportance of truth. Truth being undermined, denigrated. If truth is ignored and swept under the rug to simply advance an agenda or a viewpoint, we're losing our foundation, just like if one plus one suddenly equaled three. And suddenly, instead of having truth that is foundational, we begin to fabricate our own truth. And I think you all along with me can see many examples in the world today where people are fabricating their own truth. We see it in the breakdown of the home. 
and people say it doesn't matter. Children are resilient. They can live through divorces and step families and et cetera, et cetera. It's a fabricated truth. God says it's wrong. Can we accept that truth? Our foundation of truth is crumbling and we're left with a shifting foundation that's unsure and unstable. Foundation that's based on personal or political agenda, based on convenience, based, based on what feels good and not on truth. So is there a cure? Are we stuck? Yes, absolutely, there's a cure. And in short, the, 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 the cure is to embrace the truth. The problem is, is that we can't change our society. They're going to continue, I suspect, down the path they have chosen of fabricating their own truth and mixing truth and falsehood in an effort to promote their own agendas. So there's little we can do to change what's happening out there, but we can change what's happening within our own hearts and within our own circles. There's things we can do to strengthen ourselves. One thing that we, I feel like we must do is to endeavor to not get too entangled in the affairs of this world. The more involved we allow ourselves to become in the world's affairs, the more we're going to get sucked into their agendas and into their, along with that, then into their falsehoods and deceptions, into their fabricated truth. Because if we're sucked into their agendas, we, we get to the point where we either have to distance ourselves from alliances we have made or else we have to just simply accept the fabricated truth. For instance, when we begin to align ourselves in any way with a certain political group, where we open ourselves up to accepting their version of the truth. And we're going to find it very hard to separate truth from falsehood when it's put forth to promote the political agenda that we have aligned ourselves with. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. like to read verses 14 through 18. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, 
I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Paul in those verses makes it very clear that there can be no mixing of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. They don't mix. Like oil and water don't mix. Like truth and falsehood don't mix. We can't be mixing the false truth of this world in with the truth of God, and then expect to have His blessing and direction in our lives and in our church. I was reminded of that again just this week as we watched the YouTube memorial service for Janet's uncle who just passed away. It's amazing how far people can go in a generation. When they start to mix the false truth of those who want to be like the world, but yet claim Christianity. <clears throat> Another thing that we must do if we want to know the truth, have it as a firm foundation in our lives, is to immerse ourselves in the truth of God through his word. I already pointed out that God's word is our main source of knowledge of him. So it is also our main source of the truth that he has revealed to us. We might live in a time when the foundation of truth is being undermined and attacked. But each one of us here today has in our possessions a book that will reveal to us God's truth and how to apply it in our lives. What are we doing with that source of truth? And see, up to this point, you thought that the theme of my message was truth. But really, the theme of my message this morning is God's word. The burden of my heart this morning is God's Word and that we each are reading it, knowing it, and applying it to our individual lives. You see, there's not much we can do about the lack of truth in the world around us, but there's an awful lot we can each do about how much truth that we hold within ourselves.
Do we really believe that God's word is, is truth? If we do, we should hold it in high regard and seek to know it and to make it applicable in our lives. I didn't bring it along, and I didn't put it in my notes, but I just read a book that Janet gave me at Christmas on archaeology and the Bible. as 101 archaeological finds that verify things from God's Word. And the man that wrote that book is a very intelligent and very uh, scholarly man. And he said a time in the foreword, and I think in the conclusion of the book, he talked a little bit about how in our modern society, the truth of God's word is being questioned. Even though there is, there is way more evidence for the truth of God's word than there is for many other literary works that are held up as being, you know, from the same, from the same era. that are held up as being accurate. And so he was endeavoring to point out through archaeology the truth that is contained in God's word. So many today aren't holding the truth of God's word in high regard. Rather, they're trying to undermine and discredit it. Is that where we are? Or do we take a firm stand on the truth of God's word? So how do we become better acquainted with the truth of God's word? So I thought about that. thought that there are at least two ways, two main ways today that we become more acquainted with God's Word. First and most important is we read it and study it for ourselves. And secondly, we allow someone else to teach us. Just like we do here, Sunday mornings through Sunday school, through the preaching of the Word. Both are important. But never underestimate the value of daily personal time spent reading and studying God's Word. To illustrate that, I had to think of eating physical food. I don't know what your all's traditions are in your homes, but in our home on Sundays, typically, we have what we call you know, a Sunday dinner. It might be something a little more special, a little more substantial, whatever, you know, I just wrote down here, maybe it's a beef roast and mashed potatoes and gravy and, you know, a meal that really is great, it sticks to your ribs, it's worth sitting down to. And, you know, I can sit down and eat a good Sunday dinner and... Come five, six o'clock, I really feel like that could go without eating anything else the rest of the day still. It sticks to your ribs. But what would I look like if Sunday dinner was the only meal I ate? Would I make it through the week? 
I'd probably make it, but I tell you, I, I think I'd have some problems. If I did that every week, if I, I ate Sunday dinner, that was it. I'd probably uh, struggle to have enough energy and nutrition to make it through the week. See, we must continue to eat. Doesn't matter how good that meal was Sunday noon. We must continue to eat through the week to survive, to keep our energy levels up. And I believe it's the same spiritually that the person who depends on one meal a week from the truth of God's word on Sunday morning is going to struggle spiritually to maintain a close walk with the Lord. And I think they're going to struggle to maintain a foundation of truth. I think they'll be an easy target for the devil as he tries to deceive with the false truth of the world, the fabricated truth that is all around us today. already mentioned this, I believe, but we need to also be holding God's Word, reading God's Word on a regular basis, but holding it in high esteem and, and applying it in our lives. We can know the truth, but if we don't make application of it, it won't do us any good. One plus one, we would all agree, equals two. But if I, and I've known people like this in my life who just will argue something for the sake of argument. If I'm just determined to argue with you that no, one plus one equals three. The, the truth that one plus one equals two is doing me no good. I have to accept it and make application of it until I can start building upon that firm foundation of that truth. So many people today have God's Word, and they read it, they know what it says, but yet they don't apply it. Or they want to explain why it doesn't apply to them or to our society. We can read the truth of his word, but if we explain it away rather than accepting it by faith and making personal application, it's like denying that one plus one equals two. Now, I don't know where each of you are in your dedication to reading the word daily. But I have become convinced over the course of time from my own experience and from the testimony of others that it is an essential practice for those who want to grow spiritually and who want to have strength to stand firm against the pressures that come against us from the world. It's essential because it gives us a daily exposure to God's truth. It builds a foundation for us 
based on God's truth, not truth that's defined or made up by someone else. And I want to this morning give an encouragement to all of you to apply yourselves to reading through the entire Bible, even if it takes more than a year. Read through all of God's Word. There's many blessings and insights in some of the passages of the Bible that are more difficult to read or harder to understand. That we miss out on if we don't read the entire Word of God. And I found this to be true. And I've also found that passages that were once once seemed maybe dry and hard to read, hard to understand, with multiple readings, all of a sudden they start coming to life. And there, you start seeing that there's, there's truth here that's applicable to me. You start to realize the value of truth that they hold. View Bible reading as an exercise program. If someone was out of shape and they wanted to get in better physical condition, what do they do? Do they start exercising for three minutes a day? Or do they exercise intensively for a day a week or maybe two days a week? No. We know that to get the desired results, we need to block out a set time daily. We need to formulate a plan and we need to stick to it. And that's what we need to do with God's Word. We need to set aside a block of time. We need to have a plan and we need to stick to it. I also want to give an encouragement, a word of encouragement to anyone that would consider striving to read through the Bible in, in a year. I know it can look like a big undertaking, especially if you've never done it. But I do believe that it is doable for most people. If, if you read on a, uh, let's just say, a high school level, it's probably acceptable for you, or, or except probably doable for you. And there's many different Bible reading plans, and I don't know that one's better than another. One that I've found works for me. It's really simple. Take your Bible and you turn to the last chapter of Revelations, and you look at the page number, and you divide that by 365. And you will get a number of pages that you need to read per day to get through the Bible in a year. And so now you have a target. Some days you might not hit that target. But then there's other days you might be reading something that's easier reading. Or you have a little more time and you surpass that target. You can also, at any day of the year, check and figure up what day of the year it is 
multiply it by how many pages you need to read per day and check where you're at and it tells you if, if you're on target or not. So that's my simplified Bible reading plan. It's worked for me for years. Uh, with my Bible here, it's a parallel Bible. So when I read, I'm only reading one column. So I'm only reading half of a page, so to speak. But I need to read five and a half pages a day. If I read five and a half pages a day, I will ace reading the Bible in a year. No problem. The blessing that I've found in reading through the Bible is that each time I see new truths. Truths from God. And each time I understand better how various passages in the Bible fit together. You know, our Bibles are not laid out in a chronological format. And I used to really struggle with how some of the things, especially in 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles all fit together because a lot of it is retellings of the same accounts. But with reading again and again, it starts to come to life. It starts to fit together and to make sense. And you start to see how God worked in the past and how He desires for His people to live today and how He wants to work on our behalf today. And don't let me discourage you. I don't want you to feel like that it's all or none, so to speak. But start where you're comfortable. And establish a routine and build from that routine. That's what I did years ago. I would have thought it was an impossibility to read through the Bible in a year, almost. Then it became not that big of a deal, a joy. Now, I haven't done it yet, but my goal is to read through it twice in a year. I did over uh, uh, somewhere around 1.6 some percent this year. And I don't say that to, to brag. I say that to say it's a joy and it's a blessing to be able to look into and read and study and learn from God's Word. And it grows on you. So don't be discouraged. Start, start with what you can and build. I also want to say just a little bit about devotional books. They can be good, and I don't want to discourage their use as long as they're biblically sound. But I don't believe that a devotional book should replace a Bible reading program. We need to remember that, that a devotional book is not God's Word. It is man's Word written on the principles of God's Word. Don't want you to go home and throw them out, but don't 
let a devotional book keep you from immersing yourself in God's Word. In other words, don't let it consume your time and neglect getting in deep into God's Word. So this morning, my plea is for every one of you to consider or or to, to dedicate yourselves to reading and studying the truth of God's Word in the coming year. It is, I believe, an antidote for the false truth that the world is going to, no doubt, put forth in 2021 for you and me to consume. The false truth that the world is going to put forth to try to sway my opinion, try try to direct my life. We have the antidote. I encourage you to take it. You know, God's Word is truth. But God's Word is not going to tell us whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden won the election. But it's going to tell us truth that's much more important than that. It's going to tell us truth that is foundational, that we can build upon. It's going to tell us truth that is that makes us realize that some of these other things in the world that, that clamor that call, clamor and call for our attention aren't as important as they seem. And I believe that it's imperative for the church, for each individual member of the church, to be building a solid foundation on, the, on God's truth if we're determined to remain faithful to Him and to His truth in these times when truth is in such short supply. May God bless you.